You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Alex will not be joining us tonight, from what I understand. Normally, we touch base on the day of a show to go over topics. I haven't heard from Alex today. I uh, hope all is well, and uh, we'll run solo, and a little bit to talk about, because uh, although we don't expect a great deal of news over these next few weeks, there will be some minor moves here and there, uh, with the possibility of a signing. You know, there are still some some decent free agents out there, but you have to believe the Jets would have made a move by now if they were going to. You know, people talked about uh, Logan Ryan and Jadavion Clowney, which I don't see happening. Um, guys like that. So uh, unlikely we see any big moves, but there are some uh, some smaller things going on that we will discuss in terms of the uh, transactions over the last couple of days. Talk a little bit about the impact of. Uh, I mean, let's let's dive right into it. Really, uh, the two the two big stories over the last twenty four forty eight hours. Uh, the rough one, Quincy Nunwa already done for the year something that I think many of us on some level expected but sort of hoping against hope that it wouldn't happen that Inunua would would get healthy healthy enough to play just because you can't you can't not love the guy as a fan you can't not love the passion you can't not love the way he plays the game but at the same time even as somebody who is a huge fan of Quincy and has been you know, for from the time he he came along, and I, I remember previewing him after the Jets drafted him, and seeing that 99 yard touchdown he had, at, uh, you know, for Nebraska, I believe it was the Outback Bowl. I could be wrong on that. And then seeing him lay out, my favorite highlights of Quincy Nunwa were uh, plays where he was laying guys out on laying out defensive players after a turnover, um, and he had a couple hits where the guy just he he hit like an explosive linebacker. He was one of the first players I interviewed when I started uh, uh, writing for Jet Nation. And uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that it looks like he's come to the end of the line. But at the same time, bright young guy. And you don't want to see him injure himself even further if he steps back on the field. So it it's really, you know, not just from a football standpoint. From a football standpoint, you hate to see it happen. But just as someone who respects uh, Quincy Nunwa, the person, it's uh, it's a shame for him that it, it looks like this will be the end of the line for him. And, you know, whether or not he's going to continue to chase this dream of playing in the NFL, it's not in his best interest. I mean, if as as as, as many times as he's been hurt, um, being and again, being that they are injuries to the neck, he's probably best off just just moving along. Unfortunately, uh, they Bellamy was also cut. But that's one of those, you know, why didn't that happen sooner type things? Or sorry, both both pup, the pup was physically unable to perform, um, but both expected to miss the season. So, but Bellamy really, you know, uh, fine. He's you know the, the guy didn't uh, 
he didn't do much of anything last year and was probably, you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys. I, I kind of viewed him as somebody who would, who would not stick this coming year. So he's gone, but the, uh, the, the bigger news and not, it's weird. It's not even big news, but, uh, they got fans riled up yesterday. I thought this was hilarious. Uh, so the Jets signed Frank Gore. Running back Frank Gore, 37-year-old running back Frank Gore, who um, had a decent start to the year last year in Buffalo. Uh, first six, seven games, put up some decent numbers. And then over the course of the final nine, ten games, whatever it was, less than three yards of carry, didn't find the end zone. You just kind of felt like it was, uh, you know, father time and finally caught up with Frank Gore. He was 37. How long can you keep doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, Jets signed him. He's been a free agent now, you know, for a couple months. Not a lot of interest, but at least none reported. And then out of the blue, the Jets signed 37-year-old Frank Gore. Be... um, you know, you're talking about a second or third running back. But fans got pretty fired up about it. I got fired up about it. Um, not not a fan. Not I, I love Frank Gore. I've you know, I've mentioned him before on the show. Consummate professional, he's a guy you want on your team. I don't know if he's a guy I want on my team at thirty seven, picking up three yards of carry. Uh that's a roster spot. That could go to a, a a younger, more promising player. Because uh, newsflash, the Jets aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. If you hadn't heard, so to me, Frank Gore. I mean, and especially, and and here's the thing. They're like, oh, he's here. To, he's here to be a mentor. Like, um, okay, he's going to mentor the running backs. Um, how about? How about a mentor for Sam Darnold? How about a quarterback's coach? You know, there was a lot of talk this season about uh, about how this was going to be a team that, you know, the, the priority was going to be building around Sam Darnold. And it has been to a degree. But the the whole, you know, we'll get into it a little more, the, the one receiver thing. We might get into that in a minute, actually. In the draft, taking one receiver, um, you know, sign some O line. Here's the problem: the Jets' offensive line has been so bad that we're all happy, myself included. We're all happy with the guys they added, but it's not like they added a bunch of high-level players. Um, Alex Lewis, nice enough player, I guess ton of penalties better than what they've had in recent years I again I think that's the problem is sometimes we grade the Jets and this is something I'm as guilty of as anybody and started to realize recently how guilty I was of it but grading the Jets against the Jets when they make a move Jets sign this guy Jets sign that guy and I'm guilty of saying oh man that dude is so much better than what we had there Sometimes And sometimes that doesn't matter. I thought that was the case with uh, Collegio Semele, who was a complete disaster. Oh, man, well, who do you have? Was Spencer Long there last year? Guard, center, they, oh, they, it's been so bad. And they signed guys, and you look at, like, how much better or worse are we than we were before? 
and not really. And again, like I said, this is something I I realize I do an awful lot. I don't often enough compare it to other teams. Like, yes, Greg Van Roten, if he beats out Brian Winters, you know, it could be mainly because he's healthier. But if Van Roten wins that job, is he better than Brian Winters? Sure. At least he should be. But I mean, Brian Winters, he's another one. With all the injuries he's had and being the, you know, look, the guy's a badass. He's a warrior. You love the way he plays. But maybe it's time for him to hang it up, too, with all the injuries. But if Van Roten steps in and starts for him, there's every reason to expect Van Roten to be better than Winters was last year. But that doesn't mean that doesn't make Van Roten great. You watch a guy, oh man, this guy I'm so glad we signed that guy. He's better than the guy we had. Yeah, but the guy you had was one of the worst in the NFL. Now you've added a guy who's maybe might be average. So it's a step in the right direction. But it's not like you're building this wall around Sam Darnold that, you know, or, or not as if you've built it. You are building it. Becton is a part of that, obviously, at left tackle. McGovern at center. To me, he's an above-average player. I mean, I say all the time, you're not going to have 53 or 55 now. You're not going to have 55 All-Pros. I can live with that. Some guys are going to be average, slightly below average. You know, every team has wide range of players. But to me... McGovern's a slightly above-average guy. Beckton has the potential to be a monster. Alex Lewis, probably, probably below average. Average on a good day. Winters, the injuries have taken their toll. Who knows if he'll ever be healthy again. If it's if he's not a go and it's Van Roten, it's probably average, which isn't terrible. And then right tackle is, right tackle is a coin flip. Is it going to be George Fant? You would think with the money they paid him, it's going to be. And he's he's a question mark. I can't say what he is. Good, bad, average, above. He's, he's so raw. Yeah, he's been in the league a few years, but he started playing the game so late that he's kind of that rare player that has room for improvement this late in his career, like significant improvement this late in his career. Chuma Doga? I'm not sure. Like I said, I love the footwork, love the mechanics. But I say, I, I've i been saying this for a while. We're going to find out a lot about Chuma Adoga when he comes to camp and we find out if he's, you know, if he's able to drop anchor quicker and hold his ground. Did he get stronger? Did he hit the gym? Did he put in the work? If he didn't, he's probably out of the picture. Cameron Clark, the guy I talked about, you know, outside of the big name guys, the round one and round two guys. My favorite pick in this class. I've said I think he projects to guard. Maybe he can play a little right tackle. Maybe you audition him there. So there are pieces in place. The Jets are moving forward. They're getting better. But with some of these guys, the comparison is to the Jets' last players, who were even worse than these guys. So it feels better because you upgraded. All right, we got better. Which is fine. But again, I think myself, I, I, I sometimes lose sight and I don't look across at the teams that are winning and realize, oh, wow, 
Like other teams are way better. So that so that's the moral of that story, folks. The Jets have gotten better. The Jets aren't winning a damn Super Bowl. So Frank Gore to take up a roster spot so that he can mentor the running backs. But there's no quarterbacks coach for Sam Darnold. There's no veteran quarterback on the roster. No veteran presence. Nobody for him to lean on. And he's oh man, he, why does he still need somebody to lean on? He's going to his third year. Come on. I look, I get it. But what's the harm? He's still a he's still a kid. He's still younger than Joe Burrow. Number one pick in the draft this year is older than Sam Darnold. Darnold's missed time in year one and year two. He doesn't even have two full seasons of football under his belt. He's played roughly a season and a half of football. And he's 21 years old. And he, he shouldn't have a mentor? Why? Because he has Adam Gase and Dowell Logans. Pardon me if that's not, you know, if I'm not super inspired. So it's, it's a weird decision. A weird thing to do, in my opinion. You know what's not a weird thing to do? If you're a business owner, to use Miles Social. If you're a business owner looking for help managing all of your social media accounts, check out milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social.com. See if Miles Social can help you run all of your different social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be. Miles Social can run it all. You run the business. You got enough to do. You don't have to you're gonna sit around and worry about your, uh, your, your Twitter account too. Contact Miles Social. They'll handle it. They run, they run all the stats. They run the numbers. They know what people want. They know what people are looking for. And they try to get more customers in, you, in coming in through the doors. So, again, milesocial.com, M-I-L-E social.com. So, Frank Gore comes in, running back two, running back three, wherever he falls on the depth chart. And all of a sudden, I got see people on Twitter going nuts. All of a sudden, backup running back is the most important position on the roster. I had somebody tell me today he's going to make everyone on offense better. Frank Gore is going to make the running backs better. He's going to make Darnold better. The O-line is going to learn to block better because of Frank Gore. And I'm thinking, why wasn't he? This should have been a much hotter commodity, uh, by my estimation. You're telling me you can get a, a, a veteran on probably, what, a million, whatever. We don't know what he got yet, but guarantee you didn't get a lot of money. And you're going to tell me this one guy is going to make 27 other guys better? And nobody, nobody, like, he would have been the, he would have been the first guy signed. How many players on a roster make every single guy better? Quarterback, maybe. That's about it. But th- this is the thing now. This is, uh, and, and listen, I'm, I've, I've been accused many times of being too optimistic and not being critical enough of this team. And I say it, maybe I am to a degree. Because there's so much negativity that it, it's just so, e- it's so easy to always be negative and find the negative in everything. I oh I'm I'm forever looking for the positive. But there comes a point where you got to just be like, look, there's really you know, I I'm I'm the first to admit I supported Rex for too long. I supported McCagnan for too long. Probably supported Bowles for too long to be honest. And that's why I'm I'm done. I'm I'm past that excuse making, not his fault, but this, but that, but this, but that. Like the results are the results. And yes, there are certain certain circumstances where other things should be taken into account. 
but whether it's players, coaches, I'm 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 finished making excuses for guys. I've I've said it before, you know, there's there are excuses and there are reasons. There are reasons why things happen and there are excuses as to why things happen. And when it's someone who's always pointing at someone else, it's because of this guy, it's because of that guy, it's not my fault, don't look at me, look over there. Like that at some point is like, all right, now you're just making excuses instead of looking at what you could have done better. And we see it with coaches, we see it with players, and I'm I'm just, I'm fed up with it. I think that the Jets are in a situation where or Jets fans are in a situation where, look, it, it's been a long time in no playoffs. It's been a million damn years since a, a Super Bowl. And I think uh, I'm tired of them keeping coaches around that, that hang around longer than they should. Adam Gase, I mean, this guy. It, I mean, it, folks, if you can't pick out the, 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 what's going on here with the, with, the, with the narratives, with the media, I think I saw three stories this week. Was it two or three? At least a couple. This season is on Sam Darnold. Darnold has to get better. Darnold, yeah, because Darnold is the problem in this in this scenario, right? Not Adam Gase. Adam Gase is superstar. But yeah, does Darnold have to get better? Of course. But but Adam Gase, un, Mr. Untouchable. He's the man. He's going to Canton, Adam Gase. And listen. I hope I'm wrong about Adam Gase. I don't think I am. But you know what? I was so wrong about McCagnan and I was so wrong about Rex that I, I'm, I hope I'm doing a reverse jinx here. If, if, if getting on Adam Gase and saying that I don't like him means he's going to be the best coach this team's ever had and they're going to win some Super Bowls, then I'm all for it. I'll be doing backflips. But at the moment, with what he's done, with what he's brought, and and I will say I will here's an interesting thing on the gore on the gore front um, because it's entirely possible uh, this report was wrong there was a report and I've referenced this report a few times I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide and and pretend I never said this but after the gays firing there was a report that said Frank Gore was one of several veteran players who went to ownership and said Gase doesn't know what he's doing I don't want to play for this guy. And now it's like, oh, well, not, if that's the case, why would he come play for Gase? And that, that's a damn good argument. That, that, I would say, damn near knocks that story, you know, out of the park and make, renders it meaningless. The only caveat, of course, being that Frank Gore, despite the fact that he will improve the performance of 27 players around him, uh, didn't have a ton of offers, I would imagine. I didn't see his name linked to one team, one rumor at all, and free agency started a long time ago. Nobody signed Frank Gore. So I'm going to guess he didn't have like a dozen offers to pick from. And I'm sure Adam Gase would like to have a guy like Frank Gore in his locker room, any, any NFL coach would. So is this a case of, oh, wow, maybe Frank Gore doesn't have a problem with Adam Gase. It could be that. It, I would even go so far as to say it was likely that. I don't know. Is it impossible that Frank Gore, who we know is being signed, they, they had the Adam Gase quote. I've seen a couple people, you know, 
This, this football is the only thing that matters to this guy. You won't find a harder worker than Frank Gore. Frank Gore loves football. Frank, it's all that matters to Frank Gore. He lives for football. Well, maybe this was his only offer. So is it possible that he's coming back because there was nowhere else to go? I mean, think about it. If you're Frank Gore, you, you want, I mean, you want to win, right? And you know the Jets aren't winning this year, and you're 37. The Jets are probably the 29th or 30th team on your list that you want to go to if you want to win this year. Because at 37, you don't have a lot of those years left. So they signed Gore. Of course, Gore says, oh, I just wanted a chance to play with Adam Gase again. Could be true. But I'm, I'm thought about it earlier. I can't remember the last time I heard a player sign a contract and say, I really don't want to play for this coach, but I signed anyway. I mean, there are certain things that players, coaches, GMs, everybody, there are certain things they say. I mean, cookie-cutter answers. Everyone loves everyone. Everyone's happy to have everyone. Everyone couldn't wait to play for Coach A in City B for fans, whatever. Um, but So, look, I'm, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying beyond the realm of possibility that the Jets were Frank Gore's only offer. Um, and listen, I, I, I hope he has a great year. What, do, do I think he's going to take a ton of carries away from Le'Veon Bell? I don't think so. I mean, that'll be, I would think if you're going to take carries away from Le'Veon Bell, at least give him to Perrine and let him sort of develop a little bit. But I'm not buying the whole, you know, the running backs need a mentor. I mean, there's one position in the NFL where guys can come in and have a huge impact from day one. It's often running back. If the blocking is there and the guy hits the damn hole, he's going to get his yards. But enough of that. Let's talk a little bit about the um, – looks like the, the signings are finally official of the undrafted free agents. So there were uh, nine, nine guys who were listed as undrafted free agent additions by the Jets, but uh, waited a little time to get that announced, and uh, it is now official, so – Quick recap on those. Lawrence Cager, wide receiver out of Georgia. And George Campbell, wide receiver out of West Virginia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidebar real quick because I meant to touch on this with the Inunua stuff. And, and I don't want to beat it into the ground or beat a dead horse, but I feel like it's got to be mentioned. The, the taking of one receiver in this class, we've talked about it. Historically deep class, blah, 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 I get it. We've said, how many times can you say it? I understand. But the Inunua situation makes it that much more puzzling. And I may even mention, I, I talked to someone about this a little, not very long ago. Now I feel like I already said this on the show. Did I say this? I'll say it again quickly. Um, I, I don't get it. If you know you're going to be without Inunua, I mean, the depth chart for the Jets at receiver is scary. When, just in terms of inexperience. I mean, there's potential for, I mean, the explosiveness, the speed on this receiving core is phenomenal. Braxton Berrios runs a 4-4-4. He's probably the slow guy. If you, if you look at the top four or five receivers on this roster, you got Mims at 4-3-8. You got, what Perryman run, a 4-2-9 or whatever? 
Vincent Smith is a, I believe he was a four three something guy. So there's tons of speed there, tons of potential. And look, I get it. The season's not here, right? There are guys they can go out and get. Maybe they bring Demarius Thomas back. That's a possibility. Maybe they wait for the Eagles to cut Alshon Jeffrey. Another possibility. I mean, I, yeah, I believe he's due $15 million. I don't think Philly wants to pay that. They just drafted a couple of receivers and traded for another. So I would imagine they'll move on from him. So Joe Douglas, is he's basically betting on himself, and that's fine. That's fine. If it works out, great. Make him a statue. Give him a 10-year extension. But you're going with Cager and Campbell. That's what reminded me of this, that those guys are on the top of the list of assigned free agents. Cager, Campbell, Mims, your three rookies coming in. Then Shaheem Carter out of Alabama, DB. Played a couple different spots. A little, little smaller, a little slower. Not a guy that I would see making the roster. In, in total honesty, I haven't watched a ton of him. Uh, focused on him in a couple of Bama games. Didn't do anything that jumped out at me. So maybe he's done more. Maybe you need to watch more. Then there's Dominique Davis from UNC Pembroke, who we had on the show recently. Interior D lineman type. Nose for the ball. Explosive. Heard him speak on our show, and I've heard him in other interviews. Talks about the amount of time he loves to spend watching film, studying his opponent. So he's a guy who does his homework. Javelin Gidry out of Utah, corner. He's another guy that they added. That they added. I mean, super fast. I think he ran the fastest 40 at the combine, 429, I think it was. Uh, but not a lot of production at Utah. He'll get a look at slot. Jared Hilbers out of Washington, who I talked about. Uh Mechanically sound, good, you know, uh, looks the part, needs to get stronger. Bryce Huff out of Memphis, linebacker out of Memphis. I think he makes the roster. Uh, draftable player, draftable grade, according to many, many scouts, onlookers. And when you watch him on film, you can understand why. I was, I was pretty, I was really surprised after watching him that somebody didn't take a flyer on him in the sixth or seventh round. Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska. Doesn't have the doesn't have the blazing speed you might want out of a corner, but he uh, he's a physical guy. He's a long guy. He'll mix it up at the line. Doesn't have the deep speed you'd like, but could be a functional player. And then D lineman Sterling Johnson from Coastal Carolina, who is I mean it's Coastal Carolina. He's a D lineman, undrafted. It's almost impossible to find much info on him and believe me I've 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 looked around quite a bit. Not a not a ton out there to be had. So with the draft, we all love the draft. The pomp and circumstance, the, the you know, whether it's the draft picks, the undrafted guys, we'll analyze, we'll talk about them, where does he fit? Where is he gonna go? And you have to figure I mean the draft picks ninety nine times out of a hundred they're all gonna make the roster. Unless you draft like 20 guys. Um, GMs don't like to draft guys and then send them packing a couple months later. It's a bad look. But then there are the guys. You got you got your superstars. You got your guys who may not be superstars, but they're etched in stone to make the roster. You know they're making it because they're veterans. 
the financial commitment to them is too large, or they're just good enough. They're guys that just belong on the roster. But then in between, you've got these guys who maybe didn't play a whole lot last year, or maybe young guys who haven't played a whole lot at all in the NFL, but they've been around for a couple of years, and they're they're still hoping to, to make a 55-man roster and, and, and pick up a couple starts and make a name for themselves. And uh, the Jets have a few of those guys. Hell, every team has a few of those guys. But uh, I'm going to pick five guys out who I think fans really aren't talking about. Not on anybody's radar. And I think that the uh, I think the Jets have a few guys who have a chance who who again aren't aren't everyday names, but they can do some things. First guy I want to mention, Illinois State linebacker B.J. Bello. Now we remember B.J. Bello last year. Special teams had that that uh, that touchdown. He scored with block punt, I believe, or I can't even remember what it was. I can just I can envision him running into the end zone. I believe it was on a block punt uh, late in the year. So B.J. Bello, why do I like B.J. Bello? 6'3", 229, a little bit undersized. Depend, well, depending on where you play him. Uh, some of the what I was able to find on him in terms of uh, his college performance got swallowed up by offensive tackles a little bit when they put him on the edge. But he did have some plays. He did, he did show some flashes where he was able to beat the, def, the, uh, the, the blocker on the edge and get to the quarterback. And I love his versatility. I didn't know until watching the other day that uh, in college he was used at middle linebacker, at outside linebacker, at edge rusher. They split him out wide to – or they, they had him go with the receivers that split out wide to cover one-on-one and held his own. His numbers, athletic guy, uh, his shuttle was 40, all, or, all sort of like 80th percentile, 87th percentile. So he's an athletic guy who you can move around all over the place. And I think what what really jumped out at me, it, just because I I remembered when they signed him, seeing this time I'd forgotten. But in doing homework on him the other day, I was reminded this guy, you know, he Greg Williams brought him over from Cleveland. Greg Williams had him in Cleveland, and then brought him to the Jets. And I think he's probably a Greg Williams guy because of the fact that he can play so many roles. And he was, on top of that, very good special teams player. So I think B.J. Bello is probably being overlooked by a lot of fans because they have 350 inside linebackers on the roster at the moment. But he can play he can play a little bit of everything. And when you can do that, and when you can play good special teams, you're a good athlete, I think you have a chance to uh to surprise some folks and find your way on a roster. And I think uh, I think Bellow's got a shot there. Uh the next guy, Ben Braden. O lineman from Michigan. He's been around for a couple years now, undrafted out of Michigan few years back, McCagnan, stuck on the practice squad for a couple of years, and then found himself, pardon me there, found himself cut by the Jets last season by Joe Douglas and the Jets, went and signed with the Packers, and about a week later was cut by the Packers, and the Jets brought him back, and they kept him around again for the rest of the season. Signed him to a futures contract. So I just feel like the organization has had three years to watch this guy. And despite letting him go, Joe Douglas then turned around and brought him back and kept him around. And as I said, brought him back on a futures deal. Didn't have to do that. Could just let him walk. There's something about him they like that, uh, or they like enough. 
And again, there's not a ton of depth on that offensive line. And Braden could be an interior guy who finds a way to make a name for himself, or at least just carve out a carve out a roster spot. I don't think that's uh, beyond the realm of possibility. My number three guy. This is just not not in any particular order. But Mike White. Mike White, listen, backup quarterback, the Jets, they don't have one. Fails. You believe in him? Hey, good for you. Uh, That makes one of us. Um, You drafted Morgan, who probably isn't ready to be a number two quarterback. Probably won't be ready to be a number two quarterback. And then there's Mike White, uh, drafted by the Cowboys a few years ago. I want to say fourth round. I could be wrong going off the top of my head. But uh, a fourth rounder who was let go and then landed on the Jets practice squad last year, and they brought him back again. And uh, full disclosure, I'm, I'm, you know, if you listen to the show, you probably, probably remember me saying uh, I was a big Mike White guy the year he was drafted. I liked him as sort of a mid-round pick and kind of kept an eye on where he went. I was going to keep up with him. And obviously things didn't work out in Dallas. Thought he threw a great deep ball, accurate guy, doesn't move as well as you like, but still has the tools to be an effective passer. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. The fourth guy I wanted to mention, again, a guy who has managed to stick around in Boston College wide receiver, Jeff Smith. I mean, the Jets want versatility. This is a guy who played quarterback in college, went to BC as a quarterback, before transitioning to receiver. So that's a nice, you always like to have a guy like that on your roster. Probably be a return man for you. And ran a sub 4, 440. So I think Jeff Smith is a guy who uh, Adam Gase is probably intrigued by the things he can he would be able to do with him. And again, he's a player that was signed to a, or who's, who spent last year on the practice squad, was eventually elevated to the active roster. I think he had one, he had one catch, I believe, and got injured. And they brought him back. So they clearly liked something there that they saw from him. And the last guy who is getting no talk at all, or I I haven't seen anyone mention his name in in forever, probably since the Jets signed him. But former Nebraska kicker and cowboy kicker, Brett Maher. Now, I don't realize how old he was. To me, I'm like, oh, this guy's only been around a couple of years. Looked up his numbers. He had like two years worth of stats. I was like, all right, he's probably 22, 23, maybe 24. He's 30 years old. 30 years old. However, he's a kicker. So if Brant Boyer can get him on the right track, I mean, kickers can kick until they're 43. So it's not like uh, not like you're up against the clock if he's having a good year and you go, oh, man, this guy's only got a couple years left. But Brett Maher, if if Boyer can get him straightened out, this guy has – in two years with the Cowboys, he's drilled kicks of 62 and 63 yards in in live action, not not exhibition. Uh, in game, 62 and 63 yarders, so he's got a hell of a leg. But he had a re- really nice year with the Cowboys a couple of years ago. I think he went like six for seven from 50 and beyond, if I'm not mistaken. And then all of a sudden last year, things just fell apart for him, and he just ended up not hanging around. Jets picked him up. And let's face it, the Jets kicking situation is not good. 
at all. Mar went down to 66% last year. That's why Dallas let him go. Previous year, he hit 80% of his field goals. Did I say six for six or six for seven? I forget. He uh, six for seven from 50 yards out two years ago. Pretty incredible. With a long of 62. And then this past year, had a long of 63, but he was only hitting 66%. He was 100% on his extra points, 36 out of 36. As a matter of fact, 68 out of 69. 68 out of 69 is, uh, I mean, the, the, the extra point isn't quite the chip shot it once was. But it was this, uh, just fell apart on field goals. One out of five from 40 to 49. Nine for nine from 20 to 29. Six for eight from 30 to 39. One for five, 40 to 49. Four for eight, 50 plus. Way down from the previous year. But if you can get him back to being that guy who can kick, who can go six for seven from 50 plus, that's that's pretty damn good. And that's a guy who could, and again, especially on this roster, because there's so little there. You know, Sam Ficken didn't uh, didn't really solidify himself as as the the kicker going into this season. And again, it, it could be another thing where we see veterans brought in. We still have veteran cuts that have to take place, and perhaps that's where the Jets go in in looking for some upgrades. Speaking of upgrades. One name, one name came up earlier. I was, or popped up, and I, I wondered, you know, is, would this be a guy worth bringing in? Because again, needing proven guys at the receiver position, because they just lack them right now. There's no getting around that. Um, do you go with a guy who's sort of, I guess you'd say, semi-proven? Um, one guy who could be had is Paul Richardson. Now, Paul Richardson's a guy who, just a couple years ago, with the Redskins, posted, he had a 700-yard season, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's that's perfectly fine. On a, you know, bad team. Redskins have been bad for a long time. But he had 703 yards, six touchdowns. And his most extensive action as a pro. And I and I apologize. I'm sorry. That was that was the year before he went to the Redskins. That was with Seattle. So in Seattle, 44 catches for 703. Before going to the Redskins, when he goes to the Redskins, where they don't play him, four starts, six starts, seven games, ten games. I'm gonna have to look. Maybe there were some injury issues. There must have been injury issues. But he's out there. He's got 700 yards and six touchdowns a couple seasons ago. He runs a 4-4, so he's got good speed. Not a huge guy, six feet tall. But listen, you know, I've, I have people telling me, and I, I can't get my head around it. Again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, about only looking at, at, at the team, but only looking at the Jets and comparing them to themselves and not other teams. Uh, Josh Doxson. Now, listen, I, I liked the addition of Josh Doxson. I did. I think he's, uh, he, he's an interesting project. He's been, and again, and again, the Redskins. What the hell is going on with the Redskins? Uh, you know, gra- grabbing him, and um, they grab one, and I'm sitting here wondering why they won't grab another. 
but uh, it's just been pretty ugly uh, for them for a while. But Dachshund's a guy, first-round pick for the Skins, I believe. It's off the top of my head. Yeah, it's a 22nd pick. Uh, year two, 500 yards. Well, 502. Year three, 532. Then he ends up going to the Vikings. Plays one game, and he's gone. So Dachshund, to me, there's there's... He's, look, he's a first-round pick. There's potential there. There's no denying that. He's got good size at 6'2". He has been somewhat productive as a pro. Not hugely, but he's done enough that he's got some experience. But I don't think he's so good that you think, oh, well, we got Josh Dachson, so we don't need to, you know, we don't need to draft another guy. We don't need to go after any free agents. Uh, I, don't, I don't see how people view him as being on that level. But I heard that a few times from people when I asked, you know, why only one receiver? Oh, because they signed Doxon. I get it. Um, had some moments as a pro. But you just you just hope. But, I mean, I was going to say you just hope the Redskins got it wrong and should have been playing them more. Well, that means the, the, the Vikings did, too. Two teams had him. Two teams let him go in a very short time frame for a first-round pick. Uh, it's not something you see every day. So it's highly unlikely. But, listen, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened for sure. And Doxon, you know, he, he's another one. Not, you know, doesn't have blazing speed. I mean, to me, I think, thinking back to his college days at TCU, I felt, I felt like he had better speed than he, than he timed at, at the Combine. But, we'll get, you know, we'll get to see that at some point up close. Hopefully. Hopefully, there is a season this year. I, I think there's going to be a season. I think the COVID thing is absolutely, I mean, what what the hell can we say at this point? And I, I don't even want to get into it because this, that's not what this is about. This is like a little bit of time to not talk about that. But, it, you know, whether or not there's a season or how they play the season will be interesting to see. But I did see one note today on courtesy of OverTheCap.com, which I thought was absolutely nuts. And it was on the forums at JetNation.com, by the way, which if you are not registered, get registered. JetNation.com forums, most active Jets message board on the Internet. You got some great, fr- you got some great fans on there. You got some not-so-great fans on there. But it, all the talk is, you know, it, it's all a good time. It's, it's all a good fun. Well, it's mostly a good fun. Um, but, but I love it. I, I have been on the forums for, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, however long JetNation has been born. Um. Um, even if I'm not posting on the forums, I'm reading them every day because there's a lot of knowledgeable Jets fans bring up a lot of good points. And one of those points today, or this was just something somebody shared, overthecap.com is projecting that due to the coronavirus and the no fans in the stands or the limited fans in the stands, whatever happens, whatever it ends up being, that the the projected salary cap for 2021 would drop by 40 to 85 million dollars. Imagine the cap dropping 85 million. I mean, something would have to be done. Something would and and play you can people will say oh, the players aren't going to take a pay cut. They listen. How many teams 85 million shaved off their projected salary cap and not have to cut some guys? And guys will be either not paid or they'll they'll take a pay cut, and may, listen, you know I would have to look honestly. 
How many teams? Let, let's let's take a quick look. How many NFL teams would be prepared to absorb? Looks like they don't have the uh, they don't have twenty twenty one cap space on here. They they can if you go individual team by team. But I was trying to get like a snapshot of one team or one list of every team's cap space next season. That does not seem to be possible, which is a shame. But even if we look at this year's, the Browns, $38 million, Redskins, 35 Lions, 29 Dolphins, 28 Colts, 24 And the Bills, you go down to the Bills, they have $20 million in spending space. What are the odds they can afford to have a cut of $85 million or $80 million or $75 million and not have to cut a bunch of players? That could get interesting. That could get ugly. And uh, it's crazy. Crazy times. But speaking of crazy, this tweet just now from Rich Samini. This, this worries me a little bit. Let's see. Rich Samini tweets out that he spoke to C.J. Mosley, who injured his groin in week one. Week one of the year, C.J. Mosley injured his groin. He tells Rich Samini regarding the groin, I wouldn't say it's 100%. I haven't made those cutting movements, but I feel good mentally and physically. I feel great. It's just a matter of getting on the field and doing it. That's a long. And I, listen, I did they rush him back? Bizarre to me, folks. That's. I mean, that's been a long. That's a long time for a groin. And. Um, wow. That's absolutely nuts. But that it is what it is. But these signings are starting to roll in. If you're following the old, uh, all the Jets beat writers and players on your Twitter, Mollette, Arthur Mollette signed his deal, became official. Bryce Huff, who I mentioned earlier, is now official, coming in, and uh, looking forward to getting to see these guys on the field. I mean, it, it might be a while. It might be a hell of a lot longer than anyone thought, but um, we'll have to see when they get out there. And when they do get out there, who they playing, when they playing. Schedule release tomorrow night. So, you know, the, the rumors will drop. Who's week one, who's week two. And I want to say, I, I saw one earlier rumored that it was it was like brutal early. Like the Rams, the Seahawks, two, three West Coast trips in the first four or five weeks. But it's all, listen, until it's official or coming from legitimate, legitimate sources, I wouldn't worry a great deal about it. But um, listen, the season is going to be much tougher. And and that's the problem, is that even with the upgrades, even if you say best case scenario everywhere, you got better at left tackle. You got better at center. You got better at right guard. You might have got better at right tackle. You added an explosive player like Mims, who we all expect to be a better player than what Robbie Anderson was. If Herndon is back healthy and Griffin are back healthy, that should be more points. If you get Mosley back, 
all-pro linebacker who you were missing. You get Williamson back, and you don't cut him, which we'll wait and see there. I mean, this team should be better across the board. However, it's not, it's not the, the cakewalk schedule they had last year. Like we said, last year, the, the Jets didn't go any farther west than Washington. This year, they got a few road, they got a few trips out west. Much tougher teams. Kansas City, Denver, the Chargers. Chargers remains to be seen what happens with them at quarterback. But the potential is there for this team to get much better and still win six or seven games. That would not surprise me. It would be unfortunate, but it would not surprise me. That will probably that'll be our lead topic next week, as a matter of fact. The the schedule release and we'll be commenting it on Twitter. Uh Give us a follow on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Alex is it at NYJetsFan24, and I am at AceFan23, A-C-E Fan23. And that is it for this week, folks. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to uh, catching up with you again next week and going through that schedule. Doing, uh, Do we even bother doing a meaningless prediction week to week? Who the hell knows? I don't know. But until next time, folks, have a great night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!